does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. We're back. Another Kevin's Corner, 38-27 losers to the Saints on Sunday. That's three in a row. It's nine of your last ten at home. And every time I say that one out loud, I am just dumbfounded that that's what's happened uh, on your home field here now. Dating back for the last 12 months. And I would probably say, Eddie Garrison, this is maybe the emptiest feeling Colts fans have had on a Monday all year long. I think part of it is to do with it's now three in a row. You know, you, you're getting deeper into the season. You've squandered some chances to whatever, insert yourself into any sort of uh, type of contending status. And I don't know, maybe a dose of reality is being set in on what this year is going to look like here over the final couple of months. But we'll break it all down uh, for you on this edition of Kevin's Corner. I'm Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is with me. As always, Eddie, your Halloween costume of choice tomorrow? I will not have a Halloween costume tomorrow. No Halloween. Bah, I'm lame. I'm lame. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll be a strip of bacon, crispy, for about the 13th year in a row. I'm glad you had a word after strip. It wasn't purr. (laughs) Well, you never know with Halloween. Some other people probably could take that a couple of ways. But uh, that's what I'll be rocking. The weather looks horrific. I am not too happy about that at all. Pray the kids do not get sick after attempting some sort of trick-or-treating tomorrow. Uh, boy, a lot of tricks uh, for the Colts yesterday. Um, again, just overall, I think two, three, and four teams, how would they react? You know, we talked about it last Wednesday on the podcast, Eddie. Psyches were very different. Saints were pretty pissed off. A lot of internal questioning. Uh, the Colts, a little bit more of a feel good story almost at three and four. And, you know, for the most part, you know, certainly for the last two and a half quarters, the Saints. Controlled that one. You got off to a nice start, and then everything evaporated once you got away from kind of the scripted part of things. Um, and, and it's a bit humbling just to kind of wake up here on this Monday morning. I guess technically you're at the midway point of the season, you know, halfway through this week. And, and Eddie, the only team below you in the AFC is New England. I mean, no one else has a worse record than you at three and five. Um, it's a difficult, difficult spot to be in, especially kind of 24, 36 hours ahead of the trade deadline. I know we'll get some questions related to that Twitter-wise, so I'll kind of save my thoughts for that. But, um, you know, there was a moment late in the game where the Colts were down eight, still a one-possession game. They punted away. And I'm all, all of a sudden I look down, and there's just this mass exodus of people leaving Lucas Oil Stadium. <clears throat> I'm like, damn, it's a one-possession game. Colts have three timeouts. Colts have the two-minute warning. They could easily get the ball back. And so for a brief period, I'm like, well, that you know, that's not the most passionate fan base in the world. And then I thought to myself, Eddie, and I'm like, what has this franchise done in the last 12 months to prove to their home fans that you show up and you watch a winning product, that you're going to see a late comeback? And those fans, they simply just got a head start on, I guess, the inevitable. And that was the third and thirteen icing on the cake. Tony Brown gets torched, and the uh, Saints put that one to rest. Uh, nine of your last ten you've lost inside of that building. It's easily one of the worst stretches in forty years. Um, a lot to unpack, but as always, just kind of wanted to start off a little bit overall of the margin is thinning. The schedule is still so favorable. But yet the Colts have turned into an opponent where in those markets, Eddie, they say the same thing about the Colts and that that's a favorable one. That's a game that we should get. Um, And it's just humbling to be kind of back there right around Halloween. So since their win against the Las Vegas Raiders last year, the Colts defense is giving up on average 29 and a half points per game. 29 and a half. That's 15 games. That's almost a whole season's worth. And I think particularly yesterday was the worst defensive effort of the season. You know, because you didn't have, and I guess let's just go there right now, Eddie. Uh, what I didn't like, uh, I'm starting off with the defense. And to me, the 511 yards for the Saints, 
most in two and a half years. If you look at the Saints this season, Eddie, their point totals. They had 10 total touchdowns going into that game yesterday, offensively. 10. 16 points, 20, 17, 9. They had a 34 game against New England where they had a pick six, 250 yard plus field goals, and three turnovers. And then 13 and 24. They kind of backdoored their way into 24 against Jacksonville. Um, you know, what stands out to me about yesterday, a couple of things. You didn't have three or four turnovers. So that's that, you know, against Jacksonville and against Cleveland, that contributed to so many of those points. That contributed to so many of those short fields. Seven scoring drives yesterday for the Saints. Eddie, the yardage on those seven scoring drives, 75-yard drive, 75-yard drive, 63-yard drive. One of those. 71-yard drive. That one was after the interception, the 71-yard drive. 58-yard drive drive all seven of them at least 58 yards as you just said the one turnover you had they still marched a huge chunk of the field and again this was a Saints a big reason why I picked the Colts as the week moved along is and I mean this in all seriousness the Saints were sick they had five dudes in the injury report all week long due to illness Uh, Michael Thomas said after the game he had around nine bags of IVs on Saturday and Sunday Alvin Kamara was like, dude, it was diarrhea. It was everything. I mean, they were legitimately, like, ill. And yet, they still are able to produce their finest hour of this season against you. Uh, Derek Carr's quarterback rating ended up being 133.3. Yesterday was his 150th career start, Eddie. 150. That's the seventh highest passer rating of his career. I'm going to start with the defensive line. And I know immediately we can go to Tony Brown, but I think you have to have realistic expectations for all parties involved. And your defensive line hit Carr twice yesterday. Two times. This has been a Saints offensive line that has struggled. The teams have gotten after Carr routinely this year with pressure and sacks. You hit him twice. Obviously, one of them was the Buckner strip sack. Um, Just an absolutely brutal day for your pass rush. And that, to me, is the group that you accurately should evaluate through a critical lens. It's the invested group. Grover Stewart's not on the field on third downs. It's a group that you can look at and critique and hold to a higher standard based off the investments into that bunch. And you no-showed with your pass rush for such long, long portions of that game. Another game, Eddie, where you get to the passing downs and Quiddy Pay is incredibly quiet as well. So I'm going to start there. I'm going to start with your defensive line, start with your defensive front in general, because that's the group that you can look at through a different lens. Um, and then obviously you go back to Tony Brown and you go back to cornerback. Um, I have a bigger issue in the Colts giving Tony Brown that job on Sunday than how Tony Brown played. Um, obviously, you would expect better than you know seven catches and seven targets for 189 yards and a boneheaded penalty on top of that from Tony Brown. But I cannot tell you how stunned I was when I saw Tony Brown trot out there as that third corner on Sunday, Eddie. First off, I guess a little bit of history on Tony Brown, which... <laughs> I, I cannot believe that we're going there uh, on this Monday morning, but I think it's important. Tony Brown was an undrafted free agent in 2018. If you look at his career, Eddie, he's got one start in the last five years. Um, he has not been a defensive player really wherever he's been, uh, and mainly, I guess, since his rookie season. He did play a little bit as a rookie. And when he's been asked to play here, it's really only been as a nickel, only been as a slot. Yet, what did the Colts do last week? They play him, and I guess I would call it out of position because outside corner, if you would consider any sort of position for Tony Brown, it's not that. He's a special teamer, and then I guess a nickel backup. They play him outside, and then they play him after the dude missed practice on Friday. He had a ribs injury. He was questionable for the game. And I hear Shane Sykin afterwards say, you know, we felt really good all week about that plan, and that's why we didn't. That's why we went with him. That's why we didn't bench him in game. Um, 
so much of that comment is head scratching to me. And I guess you start with the root of the cornerback issue. And why are the Colts here, Eddie? Well, the Colts are here because Quincy Wilson and Rakusin did not become five, six, seven-year corners for you. You missed on both of those draft picks. And when I say miss, I think Rakusin is a fine player. But when you draft the dude in the second round, the hope is he at least makes it to the end of his rookie deal and or if you were to trade him, the return on that would still be around. Well, Yannick Ngakwe lasted one year. So, again, you missed on... Obviously, Quincy was a much bigger miss than Rock. Um, so you've kind of been chasing with draft picks since. And one thing I thought Ballard has done a really good job of in his era at corner, he's always supplemented it in free agency and or trades. Whether it was Pierre Desir, whether it was Xavier Rhodes, whether it was Stephon Gilmore, there's kind of always been that veteran presence. Now this year, he opted for the youth movement. And certainly listeners of our podcast will remember me say throughout many times um, this offseason, if the position does not directly impact Anthony Richardson, I am good with the youth movement. The reason I'm good with the youth movement is because the reality of year seven of the Ballard era is it's not a win-now year. Stephon Gilmore said in the offseason, you guys aren't going to be good next year. I don't want to be here. That is an indictment of Ballard and the overall era and operation of your football team heading into year seven. So my contentment with the plan at corner has more to do with the dose of reality of your franchise being in year seven of a Chris Ballard era, and you aren't in when now. You're not the one making the Gilmore trade. Teams are calling you saying, hey, uh, you guys aren't going to be very good. Do you want to trade him? We would like him, and obviously Stephon Gilmore's reaping those benefits in Dallas right now. So, to me, you can sit here and say, yeah, youth movement is good at corner, but the reason why youth movement is good at corner, in my opinion, is because this season was never going to be about a legit playoff team. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to make sure that we kind of clarify where I'm coming at from that standpoint. And then lastly, as far as the plan, just leading into Tony Brown all week long, um, you know, I said on Wednesday's podcast, I tweeted out during the game, I would have opted for a Kenny Moore outside, a Julian Blackman back to the nickel spot we saw him play at times last season, and then bring Nick Cross on the field. Because I think what adds the frustration about Tony Brown's performance from Sunday, Eddie, is he's not the youth movement. He is an undrafted free agent five years in the league. How old is Tony Brown? 28? Like, he's not a young Darius Rush. Jalen Jones, Juju Brents, Nick Cross type of defensive back, hell, Rodney Thomas defensive back, where you've put a draft pick into him. 28. That That's that's getting up there for a corner. He's not part of the future, obviously. No. So I think that's what adds to the sting is yesterday would have been a beautiful time to have a Darius Rush in there. Baptism by fire. You're getting pepper with target like Jalen Jones has had, like Daryl Baker Jr. has had. And I think that's what kind of adds the disappointment. It's that the issues yesterday were not some rookie getting his first real NFL experience. They were a guy, this is a guy that has played. Chris Ballard loves him. I mean, you go back to the end of training camp, Ballard just out of the blue, could not stop top could not stop talking about how much he loves Tony Brown. Um He competes. Yes, he competes was was a common thing. Great teammate, all in. I love Tony Brown. Let let me make this known. Yeah, all that stuff. Um, Rick Venturi and I were chatting a little bit after the game. I thought he made a good point. You know, who unfiltered Rick was always the best. You play Tony Brown inside because that's also an area of the field where you can help more. You know, when you're playing inside, um, you've got more bodies just naturally yeah. with other defenders around you. When you're outside, and the Saints are smart. Pete Carmichael's the veteran offensive coordinator. Derek Carr's been in the league for a while. Yeah, they're going to pepper you, and they're going to make sure you're on an island more. And they did that. And they did it with a variety of guys. Someone tweeted at me before the game, hey, who do you think will be opposite? I think at the time, the thought was Daryl Baker Jr. And I'm like, I mean, the Saints can put whoever they want. And, I mean, everybody roasted them. Everybody had an, an opportunity. And, you know, honestly, Eddie, I thought his tackling was poor, too. Like, 
a couple of moments he had chances, and you would think a good special teamer, yeah, you know, would 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 be a sound tackler. In that the no in game adjustment, I, I again Shane Sykin offensively has done so so much good. I like some of his overall head coaching as well, but now for a second straight week in a different area, I think he's lost sight of the game management. Mm-hmm. And this is where the head coaching hat has got to be worn, and I think it's just difficult to juggle it all. You're you're so focused on your play calling, there's moments in a game where you're going to have your head down. There's moments in a game where you probably don't fully realize Holy shit, was that Tony Brown again? And so maybe at halftime, while Gus Bradley was clearly content, Ron Miles was clearly content sticking with Tony Brown, that's where as a head coach, you got to mandate it. You got to mandate a, I could not, starting midway through the second quarter, I looked up every time, or I should say looked down from my view in the press box, every time, and thought to myself, wow, he's still in the game. Like, we've seen in-game benchings before. And yet he is still in the game. That, to me, is a head coach thing. That is underneath you. That is part of your operation. Yes, you let let Gus Bradley handle so much of your defense, but at the end of the day, you are responsible for everything that goes on on that football field. Um, so that, to me, I think is something that you have to look long and hard, hard at. And again, the reasoning and the rationale for keeping Tony Brown in the game we felt good about him all week when he misses a Friday practice with a ribs injury. Just does not add up at all. So, worst defensive effort of the season. Again, I, I point to so much of the defensive line for the inability to set the tone there. and Long, long drives. And credit New Orleans. They got Alvin Kamara on Zaire Franklin a couple times. That's obviously a win for the Saints. And, um, yeah, just ugly. Ugly, ugly. It, it, one of the worst defensive performances in quite a while by the Colts. So in a season and a half at home, the Colts are giving up 25 and a half points per game since Gus Bradley's taken over. And I really did not like the third and 13 blitz call. So they brought six there. Thank you for bringing that th- that up. They brought Why? six there. It's third and 13. Yeah. Well, oh, my thing, if you're going to bring six, I don't think you just need to play full out like press man necessarily that's yeah. one where you're you you'll give up something underneath and you'll come up and make a tackle and obviously new orleans there i i assume is thinking shot and obviously they were um that's how they ended their game against tennessee tennessee came with the blitz and they threw it downfield to rashid shaheed and he iced the game yeah that is a great point and again i want to go back to just your defensive line and your pass rush eddie why do you bring six there because four doesn't get home, four, four four never gets home, and and, and that's the, like that's the root of the issue, is that your four man rush cannot get home. So in that moment, you feel like you have to bring six. Because what did Gus Bradley hear all week long? Your inability to finish, you don't bring enough pressure, blah blah blah. But it's third and thirteen. It's right. not third and three. Sure, but in that moment, you're thinking we need to disrupt Carr with your timing. Your pass rush is so bad. You bring six, and six can't get home. Like I'm not necessarily saying let's focus on the. It's more of the root of the problem. That to me is another play yeah. that it is. It just further emphasizes the lack of a timely pass rush. Really, the lack of a pass rush. Period. But I would especially say lack of a timely pass rush because if you watch that play, Carr slides maybe two steps to his left, and that's it. That's all he has to do. I mean, it. Uh, he does not. The six-man pressure was delayed a little bit. Like I think Nick Cross, honestly, was on the field. I think he was one of the blitzers on that play. And you don't get home. And then, obviously, Tony Brown absolutely torched on it. And, yeah, to your point, you know, wh- why are you leaving him, him of all people, on an island on yeah. that play? Like, if you want him to play press man, Rodney Thomas better be squarely over the top on that play. And, obviously, he was not. To me... It was such an incredibly disappointing yet fitting way for the game to end. Mm-hmm. It was just the ultimate fit, like cherry on top. If you, Eddie, if you were doing pumpkin patching all day on Sunday, <laughs> which the weather actually would have been horrible for that, and you sat down on your couch and you flipped on the game at 3.57 p.m. yesterday and you watched one play, that play would have been enough to tell you the whole story. No pass rush. Tony Brown torched. Colts lose. 
What yeah. else did I not like? Um, I was going to ask you a question about Shaq Leonard, but we've got one later, so I'll save that for a little bit later. Um, The running game and the abandonment of the run. So in the last five quarters, since Jonathan Taylor had the seven touch for 50 yards and the touchdown, Taylor has had 16 touches for 105 yards, Zach Moss 18 touches for 80 yards, and over half of that is coming with that 40-yard run he had in the third quarter yesterday. Yeah, and honestly, Eddie, I am probably a little bit more in the, yes, I fully see the lack of Taylor usage, and and I want to acknowledge that. But I'm going to go overall run game here, which groups Moss into that. And I also want to acknowledge the Colts got off to a great start yesterday offensively. Um, Probably one of the best first quarters I've seen, frankly, from Taylor, uh, really ever. The offensive line was dominant. Yeah, in his career. I mean, it was such a mix of giving Taylor lanes, and then he was showing off that freakish athleticism that he brings to the table there. Um, Just a beautiful first quarter. Um, But the abandonment of the run game, to me, was so head-scratching for several reasons. First off, I just want to go off the raw Taylor and Moss numbers because I think they are beyond eye-popping, provide a little context to them. Taylor, 12 carries for 95 yards. That is an average of 7.9. Zach Moss, 11 for 66. That is an average of 6.0. Eddie, in the 40-year history of the Indianapolis Colts, 40 years, I'll let you do the math, on times 16 and now, I guess, 17 games per year. It's the third time in the 40-year history the Colts have had a game with two running backs toting it double-digit times and averaging at least six yards per carry. And look, if you want to play the, because I know some people are, hey, take out Taylor's big run, what does that come down to? 4.8. Taylor had 42, right? 42-yarder? Yeah. Okay, so that means 11 for 55. 4.8. I just did the math. I take 4.8. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, I love how people say, you take out the big runs. That is part of the run game. Yeah. Is body blows. Is go back to the Saints being sick. And I say this in all seriousness. When you punch them in the face as much as you did in the first quarter, seven for eighty-two, right? Mm-hmm. For Taylor in that first quarter. To me, what you have done is in the first let's boxing analogy in, because every head coach makes the boxing analogy. They're squarely on the ropes. They are on the ropes in the first few quarters or first few rounds. If you want to go boxing match, what do you think it's going to look like in round nine, ten, eleven? You're going to TKO him. And so for me, when does Moss hit the 40-yarder? Third quarter. Great cut by Moss. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you go away from the run, and you throw it there. To me, after Moss rips off that 40-yarder, that is a you grab Jonathan Taylor, you throw him into the game, Moss comes off the field, boom, you're on the verge of field goal range to take the lead. It was 21-20 at that point. And you pound it with Taylor the rest of the drive. And this goes back to my Jacksonville issue from two weeks ago. And I know I was probably in the minority of it um, based off the reaction I was getting from people. But how I view the run game is early game investment for late game reward. If you look at Taylor's career, he's been a big play late game guy. His big plays are oftentimes in the second half. He obviously had a big one early on in the game you look at Moss yesterday when does that 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 big run occur late third quarter and so to go away from that on a historic day for Taylor and Moss and put it on the right arm of Gardner Minshew I'm dumbfounded and Eddie let's look at the passing game Gardner Minshew I let me start off with some positives I thought he extended some plays and made some really nice plays with his legs and kept some plays alive He had one turnover. It was a big one, but he had one turnover in 40-whatever pass attempts and however many dropbacks he had. So he wasn't the turnover machine that he had been the the two previous weeks. Eddie, their yards per attempt was just over five. That is an awful number. It's not like you were moving the ball through the air. You know, it'd be one thing if this was a, oh, yeah, you're just moving it through the air. There's no need to run it. You weren't getting Taylor involved in the pass game. He had one catch. To me right now, with how Taylor's running it, fresh legs, he is a must get him in the open field three or four times a game. Screen him, split him out wide, whatever you need to do. And I point to a five-drive stretch. 
The Colts had a five-drive stretch, Eddie, starting kind of midway point of the second quarter, right into the um, early part of the fourth quarter. And in that stretch, they lost their two-score lead, and the Saints built their lead. And in that stretch, Eddie, you had five drives combined for three points. So to these people that are saying, hey, you scored 27 points in the game, in a five-drive stretch, you had three points. This was a game that had the feel of you're going to have to match them, and you're going to have to score. And your best reason for scoring was to set up the run first. And Mm -hmm. who knows what those body blows would have looked like. So, yes, Taylor's usage after the first quarter, what, he had four carries the rest of the game? Uh, yeah, he had or five carries the rest of the game. Maybe something like that. So yes, that that is something that uh, just frankly you are paying him too much money not to use him like that. But I point to again the abandonment of the entire run game as more of it. Of you know it's twenty eight twenty. You take over there. Um, I guess it would have been early fourth quarter, and it's three straight passes. And you're probably fortunate that. You didn't have a strip uh, fumble there on the one-pass attempt. Eddie, when they took over with five minutes and change to go, three timeouts in the two-minute warning, I said to Mike Chapel, don't you sprinkle in a few runs here? Mm-hmm. I think it was a drive that was six or seven straight passes. So it, it had the feel, and this might be too critical of me, but it had the feel, Eddie, of Shane Sykin saying, I'm the valedictorian, and I want everybody in the building to know I'm the valedictorian. So watch what I can do with this pass game. Watch the balance we're going to achieve. Watch what we do right here. And to me, it's a little bit of blind faith. You know, it's the double move on the goal line last week against the Browns. No, let's live in reality. Let's live in a little bit of Sunday football. Yep. And to me, that is a commitment to the legs of Moss and Taylor and an offensive line that, to your point, was mauling some people in the first quarter and not a right arm of Minshew side of it. So um, you talk about, again, overall game management. This is kind of where I come back to with Shane. So much individual good from him as a play caller that you really like if we're going to group out the full eight weeks of the season so far. But these are a little bit of like, okay, not fully seeing the Tony Brown story, not realizing that the run game should be the focus here, and I just feel like that's where the head coach headset differs from the play caller headset. Mm-hmm. You know, the head coach headset after a drive or two, you know, whatever, uh, John Harbaugh gets Todd Munkin on the line and says, hey, man, let's get back to the ground game a little bit here. You know, why isn't Taylor in the game? Like DeAndre Smith, okay, does he control running back playing time? If so, as a head coach, I'm getting on that headset and saying, hey, DeAndre, is JT hurt? Why is this? Why is this split happening as it's happening? Yep. You know, so those are just some things that, you know, first year head coach, part of the growing pains. And again, I don't think this is going to become the norm. I want to echo that, and I still stand by that. But these are things that, in my opinion, you have to point out, and was a big issue from yesterday. Uh, Josh Downs, outstanding, Eddie. He is such a good football player. It's, he's just so good. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm i trying to think into it. I thought Alec Pierce had one of his better games in quite some time. Obviously drew the pass interference penalty. Uh, had a couple of other catches. I thought he made a couple plays after the catch mm-hmm. that you like. That fourth and, what was that, 18? Fourth third, and 13? Yeah, third and 18 that he, that he yeah. got after there. Um, obviously the Ogletree catch kind of gets back for the drop that he had earlier. But yeah, overall, I just thought the abandonment of the run game. So I'm trying to look at some numbers here, pulling up. Do you remember the snap percentage for Taylor and Moss uh, against Jacksonville? Against score. Jacksonville? Oh, Jacksonville. Uh, would that have been two weeks ago? So that's 50-50. All right. So I was trying to look at this. So since Taylor and Moss have essentially been splitting the snaps, Moss's average on a yards per carry basis, 3.0, 3.2, 2.5 if you remove that 41-yard run. The efficiency from Moss just hasn't been there since they've started going 50-50. Yeah, and again, I'm not a big fan of removing a play like that. I agree. But I, I, I overall, I understand where, where you're coming from on that. And, and 
it's not like you can sit here on a Monday and say, no, we supplemented those Taylor touches in the pass game. And it's not like the eye test tells you either that Moss should be the guy that gets the amount of carries that he has, at least as of late, in my opinion. Because it feels like when Taylor has gotten hot, they're like, all right, Jonathan, we're going to put Moss in now. We're going to put Zach in. Yeah. No, I I would agree on that. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. What did I like? First quarter? Yeah, great start. Um, I, I do find it interesting that he continues to receive or opt to receive. Uh, I'm like, when he did that, I'm like, oh, wow, they might do something here on the first drive that's kind of crazy. And I thought the first drive was like pretty blah. You had the, um, what, the attempted screen to Pittman on second down and then just the crossing route that there was like, at, at one point, the average depth for Minshew was like two yards, I feel like, there early in the first quarter. But obviously, a great start. Um, and just disappointing that you could not. Sustain that at all. Uh, 17-7, you had that early second quarter lead there. I, I The 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 decision to kind of kick it on the 20-yard field goal was a little bit, I'm kind of like, man, I, I don't, that was a weird sequence of like they ran Matt Gay on there and I'm like, just take the delay or do what you usually do. Leave your offense out there and try to get them off sides and see what happens here uh, on that. But I thought overall you got off to a, a, a really nice start. And I thought that would be the catalyst there moving forward because... Um, you think the boos got to him there, Shane Steichen, because it was fourth and inches and then fans started booing him for not going for it. So you take the delay of game and then New Orleans has the penalty and then you send the offense out there? I don't... Oh, so you're talking about the first time. Yeah. Pittman touchdown? Yeah. No, I don't... I think I that was a move to me of like, hey... They're going to be bitching at each other for the next 30 seconds after that play. That They're so mad that they just went off sides. They're vulnerable. Let, let's, let's pounce on it. All right. I, I think that's what it was. I, I'm, more, I'm more curious about the Matt Gay field goal that they, that they did kick. The 20-yarder there early in the second quarter. Yep. And like, again, they barely got off in time there. Um, I was looking this up. Uh, Taylor and Moss percentage-wise since Taylor's return. Um this has been the shift. Uh, first game, 15% Taylor, 80% Moss. Second game, 33% Taylor, 50% Moss. Uh, third game, uh, you have 50% Moss, 50% 40. Taylor. Yeah. Uh, and then yesterday, 61% Taylor, 39% Moss. So we are starting to see um, a little bit of a shift there. But yeah, I, I thought a nice start. Um, again, Josh Downs was really good. I, that's probably it for where I'm going on a positive standpoint. Um, I thought Minshew had some. I mean, I thought the play to Ogletree was a great play. I mean, that was a hell of a throw and catch. Like um, I as thought, that was happening, I was like, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I mean, when he threw it, I was like, damn. And then Ogletree made a great play. So I do want to make sure that I point out. Some Minshew, but I I do think like we're not here at all. But I did ask the question after the game: Are you starting to think at all about making a change of quarterback? Again, to me, you didn't have the amount of turnovers, so I don't think that you're there. But I think it's fair to just sit in a room and say, "Are are we all good here? Are we all good with Gardner?" And I think that's the answer. And I'll throw out the hypothetical because we brought it up on our morning show. If this losing streak grows, and let's say for some reason it, it grows by two the next two weeks. If you're 3-7 and seven going to the bye week, honestly, I don't want to see Kellen Mond coming out of the bye week. I, I've already seen the Ellinger song and dance. Um, to me, that's where I would go. Again, I don't think you're there, to be clear. But if you go down that path and it's three and seven, I've seen Ellinger before. The third round pick in Mond, change of scenery, been here for a month now. Sure, 
Why not? Might be the minority of that, but who knows? I think you are. <laughs> Again, a very big hypothetical here. I don't expect slash, boy, that would not be good to all of a sudden have this turn into five straight losses and lose to two of the four worst teams in the NFL, five worst I don't know, maybe the Colts are one of the worst teams. Uh, you already hit on snap percentages for Taylor and Moss. Uh, Drew Ogletree led the tight ends in snap count yesterday, 54%. Mo Cox, 32 And, and I think and that's deserving. Mallory, 21. Yeah. I like that split. Obviously, Granson, you know, he practiced on Friday, so, you know, he I, I would think he would be back at some point. But, um, yeah, I thought, Mal, you know, Ogletree as a blocker and as a pass catcher, to me, uh, deserves a little bit more run. Nick Cross, five defensive snaps yesterday. Yeah, uh, it, it has not grown much at all. And Tony Brown, 83%. Yeah, 55 of 63, I think it was. I mean, yeah. there was a point there in the second half where I'm like, why would you ever make the Colts go base defense? Like, I mean, if you're the Saints, just get them a nickel. Get them a nickel constantly. I felt I didn't I didn't notice really any problems with Jalen Jones. No, yesterday. Um, I think he slipped one time. Olave got him one time. Is that the one that hit him in the helmet that he didn't catch? No, 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 no. That was that was a different one. Uh, Alave caught like a little sideline catch uh, in front oh, of the sideline. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, that that was the one there. But I mean, honestly, you could point to two of the Saints' drives ending. How many times did the Saints punt yesterday? That's a good question. Twice. Wow, they they really punted four times. I guess they punted maybe a little bit late in the game. Uh, yeah, they punted twice. Um, Oh, twice right, right right out of the third quarter. But they had two drives in yesterday just on Michael Thomas drops. And or car not, you know, extremely accurate with it if you want to go there. I mean, the first drive of the game was a uh, Thomas drop, and then they had a drive, I think, fourth quarter, right? They were trying to ice it, and they threw it a little bit behind them. So. Yeah, I think it was um, Yeah, right after the Ogletree touchdown. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else, or should we go to Twitter questions? Let's do it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Amen is up first. Shane Steichen said that there were no injuries to report, but Jonathan Taylor's usage in the second half was pretty concerning. Could he secretly be on the trade block? I would hate for that to happen, but now that he's proven himself healthy, I could see a market opening back up. JT has also been very silent regarding the trade subject. Thanks, guys. Two touches in the second half. Two. I laugh at the question that it is even being asked. Like, thinking about having to have a game transpire like you did. Imagine, like, Eddie watching the first quarter yesterday, and then your cable goes out, and you have no idea what happened the rest of the game, and then I come up to you on a Monday morning and say, man, you think the Colts might trade Jonathan Taylor? And you just watch one of the greatest quarters Taylor's ever had. Yep. Like, But, like, that that's, that's what happened the rest of the game. Greg Doyle said this in the press box afterwards. Like, he he mentioned this as well, and I'm like, I almost did the Alonzo morning gif of, like, you're kind of looking at him like, huh? And then at the end of it, I'm like, well, I I mean, I guess it's not the craziest thing in the world. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. But the fact that that question even has to be asked. I mean, Shane and Jonathan both said after the game, no injury issue. And for what it's worth, Taylor took the high road. I mean, he was like, hey, he didn't act like he should have gotten the ball more. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, my, my assumption is no, but the fact that that question even needs to be asked just shows you how head-scratching it was. Connor would like to know if it's time for Shane Steichen to move on from Gus Bradley because he didn't hire him. And it feels like there's just not enough aggression on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like Jim Schwartz would have been perfect as a defensive coordinator. You know, it's um, interesting to me, and this dates back to the Frank Reich era. I guess it's fitting in a way. It's Frank Reich week. That, and, you know, to be fair, you could say that 
well, it is accurate. Ballard, you know, penned Eberflus on Reich, and I guess in a way, um, kind of kind of pinned Gus Bradley on Shane Steichen. It's interesting the Colts have these such offensive-minded head coaches. I think both of them border on the side of aggressive, and yet their defensive coordinators aren't even close to that. Nope. It's such a change in philosophy from what you do on the other side of it. Um, it's very confusing to me, to be honest with you. And we brought up the, the, the lack of finishing on last week's podcast. I mean, it's so alarming. The one-point losses at home and the inability to get off the field with those two-minute drives. And Boy, Derek Carr yesterday, Eddie. Uh, again, 150th career start. Seventh highest pass rate of his career. I mean, that's not something you would have predicted at all Mm-mm. going into the game there. And he obviously knows Gus Bradley. You know, a brief stop in... Uh, with the Raiders for Gus there. So I think it's something that needs to be explored. I do. I am more of a want to see more aggressive aggression, want to see more diversification from your defense. But that's kind of been my thought, even dating back to the Eberflus era. I mean, there were a lot of positives. And, there, and to be fair to Gus, there are a lot of positives Gus has brought to the table as a defensive coordinator. But to me, I don't see this is what can dictate for you against elite quarterbacks, let alone playoff caliber. 38, 39, 37, 16, 29. Number of points given up the last five weeks. Yeah, and and I will echo, you know, Jacksonville and Cleveland, so many turnovers played into that. Correct. Yesterday... The 511 yards, the most in two and a half years for the Saints. The seven scoring drives, we went over them earlier, all over 58 yards. That is what is really, really alarming. Yeah. Scotty would like to know if the Colts secondary could uh, stop anyone in the 107.5 The Fan Studios. Seriously. (laughs) Man, it was pick a whiteout, right? Shahid, Olave, Thomas. And Olave was the quieter one of the three yeah yeah thomas had a couple turn back the clock moments there for him i i point so much to your defensive line yeah you know and and again this is not grover grover's not on the field on third downs ebucom's making how much money that's a good question pay was drafted where buckner was traded for where and making how much money dio was drafted where that's your four-man rush group right and i guess maybe throw in taekwon who was also a second round pick and they produced two hits? Two? Yeah, I, it just, to me, I, I start there. Like, at corner, it's a little bit of like, what did you think would happen? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, again, corner, you are down on the depth chart. You are and Now, you are largely down on the depth chart by two things, injury and choice, because you elected, I mean, whether it was the trade of Gilmore, the suspension of Isaiah Rodgers, the cut of Darius Rush, the Juju Brents injury situation, the Dallas Flowers injury situation. I mean, at no point this year did they ever have major cornerback urgency. Again, they have been all in on this youth movement, but boy, part of me is just that's what adds the frustration of yesterday. It's not like the guy out there is youth movement. He's not. He's a 28-year-old special teamer, mm-hmm. undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. Head scratching. Head scratching. Puzzling. Mystifying. Find the other synonyms, Eddie Garrison. Travis doesn't believe in tanking, but with today's result, does this make the Colts more in the market of possibly being sellers at the trade deadline, or do the Colts try and buy towards the secondary for help? Yeah, Travis, I'm going to stand by my stance from last Wednesday, and for those that missed it, that was more of our trade deadline-centric podcast. I I think a lot of what I said last Wednesday remains very relevant today. Um, I mean, you wake up today, and New England's the only team below you in the AFC. It has a worse record than you. I mean, there are a lot of teams jumbled, but that's the reality. Um, I look at it and say, all right, 2024 free agents. Guys, you don't feel like are a part of your future. You, 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 you map this out all the time, Eddie. You know full well what the likelihood of your plans are going to be here come the spring. Who you want to bring back, who you don't, who could be a cap casualty, those sorts of things. 
and I'm doing the calling. And I'm trying to find a desperate team. Wasn't there some, like, uh, I don't know, rumor that the Eagles had interest in Kenny Moore? Did I see that last week? I, I guess. I don't know. Grant, if you traded Kenny Moore, who would be, you know, would Greg Toller be playing corner for oh, you? Oh, gosh. Kevin, really? You know, I, so that is just... you got to go there? If you have guys on your football team that you don't believe are part of your 2024 and beyond plans, in my opinion, you have to trade them. I'll, I'll repeat the Bobby O'Karake thing from last year. At this time last year, I think we all knew Bobby O'Karake would not be re-signed. Yeah. You had already paid Leonard that money. EJ Speed was also a free agent. It made more sense to re-sign EJ than invest even more money at linebacker. Bobby's a good player. Bobby's been one of probably the few bright spots for the Giants this season. But we kind of knew that. So Bobby walks in free agency. What's your return on him? Nothing. No comp pick coming. That I You don't want to make that mistake again, in my opinion. So again, I know it's a little bit of a white flag. It's a little bit of surrender, however you want to call it. And I don't know who fits into this category. I don't think there's an obvious name, to be fair. Like, I don't think Kenny Moore's obvious. I think Kenny could give you a couple more good seasons. I don't know if Julian Blackman is that. I, I, I don't know who that player is. Zach Ma, I, I like. But if there is somebody and the call is being made and is a desperate team, that return is going to be better than, the, than that guy walking. Oh, yeah. Not hold my breath for it. Don't expect it. Frankly, think that Chris will fall more into the I don't want to send that message to the locker room in Shane's first year. Um, but. It's something I would heavily explore. Craig's Twitter question is up next. Outside of uh, outside of Drew Ogletree's touchdown, Gardner Minshew has not been very accurate. I thought accuracy was one of his strengths, but he continues to throw behind his wide receivers. Yeah, uh, you know, ball placement. Uh, what was his percentage yesterday, Eddie? Just north of 50? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't be five yards per attempt and be that lack in percentage. I did think he. I thought he was on point earlier in the game, and I thought, I thought he made some plays with his legs. I mean, I jotted down I think four or five plays, Eddie, where I was like, "Dude, Gardner just extended that to make a play." But still, I mean, you can't live with five yards per attempt and fifty whatever he was, fifty three percent. Twenty three of forty one was the overall line. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Just, just north of 50. First half, uh, 13 of 21. Second half, he was uh, 10 of 20. Can I complain about the weather for Halloween? I'm so mad it's going to look this ugly. 39 degrees feel like 30 at 5 o'clock tomorrow. You've, I've been, you know, you, you hype up Halloween, you hype it up, and you're like, well, I mean, it's, you know, Max's first real Halloween, and, and you know, Rosie Bone wants to be a Barbie. I mean, they're going to want to go out, they're going to want to go get candy, and then they're going to be sick for two weeks. That's where we're at. Well, layer them up. What? You're going to layer up a Barbie costume? We'll put the layers underneath. Gosh, unbelievable. That's much easier said than done. Try telling that to a three-year-old. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, Colton says, when are the Colts going to get out of this tight end by committee stage? I'm a fan of all of them, but I think it's hurting the Colts by not sticking with one and letting him develop into a star. You know, it's kind of trending towards Ogletree being a little bit more commitment. What did you say that snap count was earlier? Uh, He played the most. I think it was... um, Let me find it again. Hold on. For a while there, I don't think a tight end had a catch on Sunday. Um, Or a target. Mo had one. Right. Mallory. Did Mallory have a check down? Yeah. Uh, Ogletree played 54%. Mo played 32%. Mallory played 21%. 54%'s a decent chunk. That's a decent chunk. I mean, it's not Jack Doyle chunk, but that's a, that, that's a decent one. I mean, obviously, you expect Granson, I would assume, to be back this week, so I'm curious how they'll play that out. He had been kind of the high guy. And then where the hell is Jelani Woods? Yeah. So, yeah, tight end, I would fall into the disappointment so far for this season but like i there's still a couple names i'm like well i just would like to see more of ogletree's one of them me too if you're chris ballard how do you sell the rest of the season to the colts fans this is from jay why should we as fans spend money to watch this team i'm sitting here in evansville not even sad about the loss i'm actually mad that this is the product we have to watch again after last season thanks kevin 
Did I hear a let's go Pacers chant yesterday at Lucas Oil? I did. Walking out, I heard uh, several of them. I'm like, really? I mean, think about that. You're an NFL team. Yep. And in your market, you've got a fan base after two games of an NBA season. And you aren't even at the halfway point of your season, I guess, technically. You are here on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever. But they're chanting, let's go Pacers. Tyrese Halliburton. The Pacers haven't made the playoffs in how many years? Like, I mean, it's just... Well, I guess good news, if you're the Colts, you have, what, one home game in the next month and a half? Yes. Nothing till Tampa, right? So you go at Carolina into Germany for New England by week. Come out of the bye at Tennessee at – or excuse me, you come out of the bye Tampa at home that Sunday of Thanksgiving. I always feel like that Sunday Thanksgiving game is always at home. Uh, at Tampa uh, – excuse me, at Tennessee and at Cincy? Yep. Yeah, so one home game in the next six weeks. By the way, did you see how Cincinnati looked yesterday? Oh, yeah. They looked – they looked like this. Joe Burrow looked. Yeah. So I guess good news is um, you're going to learn a lot about your football. You're going to know the Tampa Bay home game on the 26th, and then what is it, Pittsburgh? Is that the next home game after that? Yep. Which, hell, just if you want to, just sell your ticket to a Steelers fan. Uh, you're going to learn a whole lot about your football team. Yep. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. My mom wasn't happy yesterday. She texted me. She said there's um, Saints fans in a season ticket member seats behind us. I'm like, oh, no. I didn't hear a lot of Saints fans just based off of loudness. They were mainly up in the 500, 600, and so I heard a lot Any of Pete Warner fans around you. I honestly Indy think native? I honestly think I was sitting next to his family. I, I'm not 100 really? percent sure because uh, Jeffrey Gorman gave a shout out to Pete Warner from Cathedral and in his little pregame hit he did on the field, and they all cheered. Oh, okay. So I, I think that was his family there, but I'm He's not 100 nice sure. Yeah. Seems like good a good good guy. I don't know him very well, but know some people that do, and seems like a good guy. Good guy. Um, but yeah, up in the six hundred, I heard some hoodat chance. Yeah, again, Jay, the fact that that question is even being asked is not a great situation for your franchise. I'm not ready to go there just yet, but you know, it is kind of trending into that. Okay, what other storylines are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, man, this schedule. I mean, if you want to be optimistic on this Monday morning? Probably not a lot of people do, but I mean, what? Bryce Young, Mac Jones, Baker, Levis. Didn't Kenny Pickett get hurt? He did. Didn't Desmond Ritter get hurt? He got benched, but yeah. Uh, okay, benched hurt. I mean, you know, Heineke and and Trubisky and who the hell knows who's starting for the Raiders. I yeah. mean, like you on paper, you've got opportunities. Granted, again, and the, those markets are saying the same thing about the Colts. Yeah, and you can also make the argument that the Colts have had opportunities sure. and they just haven't made it, sure, sure. Uh, taken advantage of totally those fair. opportunities yet. Uh, just a few more questions left. Simpson, after Shaq Leonard spoke in the media last week about not being a spectator and watching more impact snaps, as of the end of the third quarter today, I feel like he's got his wish and I'd like your thoughts on how he's emerging from the injuries slash surgeries. I feel bad for him, and it's tough to watch. The Kamara touchdown run in the third quarter really stood out to me. Thanks, KB. Happy football season. Yeah, uh, what Leonard have? 11 tackles? That's a pretty big number. He had 11? Uh, yeah, I believe so. 14 for Zaire, right? 11 for um, Shaq. Yeah, uh-huh. Kenny Moore was 7. So, uh... I would say this about Leonard through eight games. I would say lately it's been a little bit better, but boy, it's not sniffing twenty million. No, no, not at all, not at all. And just, I mean, again, eleven tackles. I, it, I mean, the impacts of some of those tackles, Eddie, are pretty pretty far down the field. And I think the stat that stands out the most about Leonard, because again, why did you pay him twenty million? Turnovers, turnovers, rare linebacker, zilch. Seven straight games now. Again, easily the longest stretch of his career without a forced fumble, fumble recovery, or an INT. And, and 
And I feel like he hasn't even been around the ball when in pass coverage. Well, well, yeah, when has he been close to a turnover? You know, I mean, period. Like, any of them. They're so. taking him off the field still on third downs. Right, right. But speed snap, snap count was pretty low yesterday for, for, for him. Um, he had 20 snaps compared to 55 for... Uh, 12 third downs. For Leonard. So, yeah, again. Um, now, Simpson says here, I feel bad for him. Like, yeah, I, I, I do as well. I mean, that dude has been dealt just a brutal injury blow. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I I feel all especially because I just I know how much that 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 grinds him and just kind of wears at him. Uh, I mean, he's so so passionate about football, and unfortunately, when you sign up for this business, the injury situation is there, and you still have got to live in like the reality of the situation, and that is the tackles aren't very impactful, and uh, the splash plays are nowhere to be found. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're even getting tackles for losses or like you know blitzing and pressures and and sack situations here and yeah. It sort of reminds me of the Jalen Smith situation in Dallas. Notre Dame Jalen Smith. Yes, uh-huh. he came into the league, had a nice couple, what two, yeah. three years, gets hurt, and then they tried to hold on to him and aspirations of him coming back into returning to form. And, and now I don't think he's even on a on a team. I don't I don't know, but he. I knew he bounced around from team to team. Or even like Victor Oladipo post-injury. Yeah. You know, just kind of has that vibe to it. Yeah, the question I was going to ask you that um, earlier in the pod was, do we notice Shaq Leonard more negatively than positively in plays now? Yeah, it's probably fair. Again, it's been a little better compared to what it was early in the year, but not $20 million. No. Uh, two questions left. Rodney would like to know, with the trade deadline approaching, would you consider trading a conditional sixth-round pick to the Giants to bring back Paris Campbell to the Colts? Obviously, they are looking to sell, and his snaps are way down there. I would be intrigued to see what Shane could do with his skill set, a true deep threat, and if it turns out to be a train wreck, his contract is expiring. It's not a chess, not checkers type of move that could keep them competitive while not damaging future goals. No, no, I, it, no I, I'm not trading. Yeah, I mean, you only got seven picks. I'm not, I'm not trading them for that sort of, you know, player age experiment. No, I, I'm. I want to add to the war chest. Wouldn't that also mean you're taking snaps away probably from Josh Downs? From Downs, yeah, a little bit. Or, honestly, I'd probably rather just give the full evaluation to Alec Pierce than even sprinkle Campbell a little bit in there. Like, just continue to play Alec Pierce as much as they, uh, uh, as you're playing him. Uh, you want to get clarity on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I know they don't play the exact same position from a slot receiver to outside, but no. I'm good. Final Twitter question comes from Walter, and it pertains to the running backs. What do you think about how the Colts are managing Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss? JT had almost 100 yards with 12 touches. It looked like Moss outsnapped him, and why pay $40 million to a running back you aren't using? I can understand if they are just trying to limit his touches for longevity, but it doesn't seem like the Colts are trying to win. Also, for the Minshew fan club, can we just accept he is a cool backup? Tired of reading the comments of fans acting like he's a legit starter. Keep up the good work on the pod. Had a few, so there may be some grammatical errors. LOL. Gotta love the had a few caveat there. Uh, well, I think we've all been there before. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, the whole you pay Taylor, so play him. Like it, that, that, It's funny to me, but it also is kind of true. Again, you can point to all these reasons for not playing Taylor that are head-scratching. A, you pay him a lot of money. B, he just had one of his best first quarters he's ever had in his career. C, you're not putting up points after the hot start. D, body blows in the first quarter lead to bigger plays in the second half. E, your passing game isn't doing much. I mean, hell, I'm already at five letters. At this rate, I might get, get to half the, half the alphabet. Yeah. I, I just Before you know it, you'll be at WTF. Right. Literally. Gosh, that's... Uh, Unbelievable. All right, Colts-Panthers, trade deadline tomorrow at 4. We'll see if anything happens. If something does, we'll break it down Wednesday. And uh, and two-and-a-half point favorite. Did I see that right? Colts opened up against Carolina. Yep. Who just got their first win. Uh, Bryce Young looked good but got sacked a lot. Six sacks. Uh, But looked decent. Uh, They didn't score a lot. Kind of an ugly game against Houston. 
in that one. So nothing like the lone 405 CBS game being Colts and Panthers. Can you imagine if you live in a market where it's just CBS? Ugh. You got a great Week 9 schedule. Oh, yeah. But this would not fall. You've got nice football all day. All right, I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Eddie Garrison. Everybody have a safe Halloween. We'll talk to you Wednesday.